hearing from a 13-year-old grandson about how his grandmother makes terrific Italian meatballs every Sunday, and he's scared to death that if something bad happens, he's not going to be able to have Sundays with grandma. We were losing our minds in the moment, right? If you're not touched by that, then, then maybe you need a humanity check. That was Dr. Benjamin Schwartz, gynecologic oncologist and chairman of obstetrics and gynecology at Southside Hospital in Bayshore, New York. Hi, I'm David North. Dr. Schwartz is the author of a recent essay explaining and describing the benefits of sharing insights about the lives and enthusiasms of a patient. Benefits for her, for her surgical team, and for her wider circle of loved ones. I asked Dr. Schwartz about an apparent paradox being passionate about the mind and spirit of his patients while maintaining a professional detachment during a surgical procedure. I think that what's tricky about that, though, is that there is a balance. If you take uh, busy surgeons, and not just the surgeon, but the anesthesiologist and their assistants and the surgical technicians and the nurses and everyone that's in the room, in the day-to-day life that you live, you're taking care of people uh, all the time, it's very easy to fall out of remembering that we're actually taking care of people. You know, we talk about the gallbladder in room three as opposed to Mrs. Jones in room three, who's a mom and has a husband and, and, um, and whose parents are relying on her to be well. We sort of dehumanize it almost in, in some instances to an extreme. And it, it shifts our attention a bit away from the, the value of what we're doing and more on sort of the logistics of doing our jobs. I can only imagine what it would be like for an airline pilot trying to land an airplane in bad weather if instead of focusing on what the instruments are telling them, what the air traffic controllers are telling them, if they were focusing on, oh my God, I have a young baby in, the, in row 25 and a grandmother in row 10 and a veteran in row, and, and all the lives that will be impacted if I don't do this right, it could be crippling and it could make you ineffective. And everyone sitting in those seats, including the patient lying on the operating room table, is relying on you to be focused and to do your very best job. I asked Dr. Schwartz how he landed the concept of using email as part of his professional flight plan in the operating room. I was assigned a coach um, by the health system to help me to learn to be a better leader. And my coach got sick. He developed prostate cancer. And because I'm a cancer surgeon, he relied on me in a, in a non-professional, friendly way to help him to understand some of the things that the doctors were saying to him because he didn't have any medical expertise. So anyway, he, he decided to have his prostate removed with a surgeon, and the surgeon asked him to have his wife send him an email about him. It was a fascinating idea. I, I give all credit to this uh, surgeon who uh, recognized, as I think I had not done, that the busier you get and the more focused you are on when you meet patients concentrating on their medical needs and their medical history and making recommendations based on their situation to get them back to their lives as quickly as possible, that you forget that they actually have a life and that you don't have enough time, uh, particularly with the pressures that our existing healthcare system puts on providers. It's very hard to find the time to really adequately meet somebody short of meeting them medically. And uh, the minute I heard the idea, I said, well, you know, that's something really um, 
sparked in me that, you know, this is really a terrific thing. I should try it. And he did. Listen to this story about how being cued to a woman's favorite tune struck the right note. I said, listen, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a weird ask, but, but can you please send me an email about who your wife is? And he wrote this email that was really quite clever in, in that he really uh, obviously knew his wife really well and had described her really beautifully. But one of the things that he mentioned was that she's an in-the-closet Pink Floyd fan. And she doesn't want anyone to know. She's kind of embarrassed about it. But if Pink Floyd could be playing in the operating room when she goes in, it will, it will trigger something in her about who she is that will make her feel more at home. So anyway, I turned on the music and she had a tear in her eye and everyone could see that something was happening, but they, my staff didn't really understand what it was. So I explained to them that it was that I had asked for this email. So my team rather unexpectedly said, well, we'd like to hear the emails too. Can you read the emails to us? Of course, we may feel some touching aspects of our personal lives are personal, but in this case, there was no need to feel self-conscious about enjoying the music of Pink Floyd. Our patient's special tune was a track from the LP, The Wall, which topped the album charts for 15 weeks and sold 24 million copies, one of the best-selling albums of all time. Hi, this is Health Story. I'm David North. We're discussing how sharing insights about the lives and enthusiasms of patients may benefit those patients, their loved ones, and even their doctors and caregivers. As you heard, the music of Pink Floyd helped break a virtual wall of anxiety and contribute to a successful outcome. Dr. Schwartz says he was eager to solicit more emails on behalf of his patients, but found the responses were helpful and heartwarming, but too often focused on him. Dr. Schwartz says he's not a solo artist. He leads a band of professionals who also care. It's never a bad thing to butter up your surgeon before you have an operation, right? So, you know, um, and we really respect you. And, and by the way, um, it's really amazing that you even asked us for this email in the first place. And it really meant a lot to us that you care about who mom is or who grandma is or who my daughter is, uh, who my wife is. And so when we were reading the emails to the group, it was a little weird because it was me reading an email to everyone about how great I am, which kind of was not really the point, and, and it was really kind of almost felt self-serving. Just as rock bands rehearse for the road and airline crews conduct a pre-flight checklist, Dr. Schwartz says surgical teams also convene to prepare. It's an opportunity to share those email dispatches. In the operating room, we have a very similar structure. It's called a timeout. It's a brief huddle that we do right before the surgery starts. Everyone in the team uh, stops whatever they're doing and focuses on making sure that the safety check is passed adequately. And if we identify something that isn't right, we correct it before we start. So we added this email to uh, as a step of that. And the first email was unbelievable in the sense that the family happened to write that they appreciated so much all of the people that were in the room and what their efforts were, that they had made lots of sacrifices over the course of their training and over their professional career, that we knew that the families believed that they were 
uh, part of a unique and special team and that they so much appreciated the sacrifices that they made, that, that my team's families had made over the years. And in this one moment, can you please be on your very best game? I'm tearing now. There wasn't a single, the nurse reading the email couldn't get through the email. And everyone was overwhelmed in the moment, but then there was this sort of overwhelming feeling of awareness. No one will ever forget that moment, that surgery. Everyone was much more aware of their surroundings and who the person was on the table than they had ever been before. Remember, it's a very large team in an operating room, and most of those folks that work in an operating room will not have met the patient before their surgery. It's really literally just the next hysterectomy, unless you take the time out to say, let me tell you who this person is because you didn't have a chance to meet them. And for me personally, having been operating for almost 20 years, the value of my day from those moments of reading the emails, hearing from a 13-year-old grandson about how his grandmother makes terrific Italian meatballs every Sunday and he's scared to death that if something bad happens, he's not going to be able to have Sundays with Grandma. I mean, we were losing our minds in the moment, right? If you're not touched by that, then maybe you need a humanity check. But for us, it, 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 the energy in the room is palpable, and the connection with the patient is palpable and magical. And I feel strongly, not only should every surgeon be doing this, but maybe every corner of society should be doing this. You know, maybe investment bankers that are listening. Do you really know who the people are whose decisions you're making for them every day and how it impacts their lives every day? The pilot, I think, appreciates what's going on in the cockpit. But do the other people that are working in that industry really know? Are you just another person online at Whole Foods? Or is this meal a really important meal because someone's coming for Thanksgiving dinner that they haven't seen in 20 years? I, I just feel like, you know, I, I guess I can go on and on. Maybe that's the point of a podcast. No, the mission of this podcast is to tell health stories. You just offered a prescription for a healthy society. Thank you, Dr. Schwartz. Now let's hear more about how emails affect the surgical team, the receivers, and the writers. There's a lot that goes into everyone, uh, everyone's job and the pressures that are on them. There is this powerful connection that we feel with our patients now that we can relate to their life experience, we understand them better, and we understand better, I think, the trauma or the stress that they're going through in that moment. If you have to tell 100 people a day that they have cancer, it's certainly possible that you could slip into the trap of it's just the next patient with this terrible situation. And I think when you relate more and you become more humanistic, it's hard not to feel the emotion of, oh my God, that could be me. These emails have actually given families a sense of purpose in the sense that they have a job to do, they have homework. They need to find a way to parlay to the team taking care of their loved one who that person is and by doing that effectively, sometimes the grammar isn't perfect, and that almost makes it better, actually, that it's more real. It, it gives people an opportunity to be an active participant in making the outcome of the surgery better. We who are, are widely empathetic 
are concerned about you and your teammates? How do you prevent being overwhelmed when, when a whole world of, of experiences in life and love come to you routinely? How do you maintain your equilibrium, your professional and personal equilibrium? We focus as a health system not just on the health of the people we're taking care of, but on the health of the people that are providing that care. It is important and we are realigning our priorities and focusing more on the things that we can do to be healthier ourselves. Dr. Schwartz has one more message for the writers and the subjects of those emails as they look back and tell their own health stories. It's impossible to imagine for any of us that live sort of normal lives every day and uh, day in, day out, uh, take our health for granted, what type of a shockwave would reverberate through a family if you, if you heard, well, you need to see a cancer doctor, where yesterday it wasn't even on your radar at all? At least, if for nothing else, a lot of the fear and anxiety that people have come from their misunderstanding of what their situation really is. For example, most people don't know that uterine cancers, which are the most common cancers that we take care of, have an extremely high cure rate. And so whereas I think a lot of patients before they come to see us are thinking about preparing their will, they don't realize that in most instances they're gonna be cured and they will eventually move on with their lives and it will be a part of their history. Dr. Benjamin Schwartz, Chairman of Obstetrics and Gynecology for Northwell's Southside Hospital in Bayshore, New York. And a big fan of emails and the power of communicating caring. This program is produced at the facilities of the New York Institute of Technology. Our technical director is Andre Doughty. I'm David North. Be well, look north.